Punch in a little bit later. Check, check, check. We're talking about Jimmy and Dr. Dre. Jimmy Iovine is the levitator. Dre is the innovator. I need something a little bit more impressive. Bruce taught me a work ethic. I had to work harder than the next guy just to do as well as the next guy. And to do better than the next guy, I had to kill. I knew that I had to be a success at something. A friend of mine put together two turntables. I started doing this thing. I wanted to be able to get in there and rock. I think rattling home was Jimmy's last time. I think we broke him. I didn't want to see a studio. I was done. So I said, maybe I can start a record company. I got to find great producers, and I produced them. Hello, and welcome to a sort of special edition of the Techpedition podcast. Um, this is episode number next, and it is August 14th, 2017. We're going to have a little talk about uh, the Defiant Ones. Um, I have my good brother Clarence here and Mr. Sergio. How you guys doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Fantastic. Cool. When you say Defiant Ones, you're not talking about the 1958 film, which tells the story of two escaped prisoners, one white <laughs> and one black, who are shackled together and must co-operate in order to survive. Is that why they named this the Defiant Ones? <laughs> kind of a nod <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost a parallel. Like It's almost the same story, just yeah, no shackles. <laughs> like These guys, you have a Jewish guy from... Uh, from New York and like a dude from Compton and it's like yeah very t- very unlikely duo here yeah definitely man definitely um so are you going to do like a synopsis or yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of yeah go ahead yeah I was going to get the one liner <laughs> from what is what is the defined ones <laughs> well the yeah, one the one liner <laughs> from the HBO page uh uh, set amid many of the defining events of the past four decades, The Defiant Ones tells the story of Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, one the son of a Brooklyn longshoreman, the other straight out of Compton. Oh, geez, I had to put that in there. And uh-huh. their improbable partnership and surprising leading roles in a series of transformative events in contemporary culture. Cool. So, um, like, I'll, I'll tell you what was a shock for me watching this, just to kind of get it out there. And it kind of goes with the introduction, like, I didn't really know who Jimmy Iovine was except for like beats. I know he was involved in beats, but when they start, like when he starts naming off all these artists that he worked with, I was like, holy crap. He's worked with everybody. So I'm just going to name, I'm just going to do a little name dropping here. So these are the people he's produced. Um, so he's produced in no certain order. Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, Meatloaf, uh, Kansas, John Lennon, uh, who else? You two, Stevie Nicks. He also dated Stevie Nicks, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Rod Stewart, Joan Jett. Uh, who else is here? The Breakfast Club. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is. Um, the Eurythmics. Uh, I, I was scrolling up. It says it looks like he also produced Whitney Houston, Robin Thicke. Um, oh wow. Iggy Azalea, BB King, like seriously, he's produced everybody, which I thought was wow. interesting. I didn't even know he was a producer before I watched this. Also, Bob Seger. Um, but yeah, Pussycat Dolls. Um, I could go on. Um, I think he actually discovered Pharrell. He discovered No Doubt. Um, he put uh Tom Trey Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Like he kind of put him on the map. Yeah, Marilyn. Manson, not to mention, um, like two, he, I think he discovered Tupac too. And like, uh, yeah, all this gangster rap people like that you wouldn't normally like associate with him, or I guess you would naturally associate with him. He also discovered Lady Gaga. Like there's like all these people that are a part of like the mainstream culture that this guy's touched. And I just thought that was so amazing. Yeah. It's, it sounds like he has been kind of instrumental in shaping pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, like I had heard the name and I kind of knew I had an idea that he was a, a music guy. Uh, and then I saw him on American Idol a few years ago. And then he was just that weird bald guy who was always angry <laughs> at people. Yeah. Uh, so to, to actually see where he came from is uh, like, that's the most interesting part of this. Yeah. Like this, 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 this miniseries is like the, the American dream, like, on film pretty much. Cause like these people, these two, of the, both of these guys pretty much came from nothing. And like they're self-made men, you know, which 
I don't know. It's just it's something that's really easy to get lost in and to get behind, you know. And even though I knew like some of the stuff that was going to happen, I was still kind of throughout the movie or miniseries. I was kind of rooting for them, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cheering them on throughout their history. I I, I don't know. I, I just I really enjoyed this this whole doc. So yeah, well, Jim. yeah. I was going to say Jimmy Iovine coming from. Um, I think we what we first see is him just simply putting getting tape ready for the artist to go in there and record. That was like one of his first jobs, and and to go from that to uh, seem like pretty pretty quickly helping John Lennon do stuff. You know what a what a struck of luck <laughs> to be to be thrust in there with him all of a sudden. You know his his trajectory uh, definitely seems like it was a lot of hard work. But but he seemed like he was in the right place at the right time for a lot of his uh, investments, which is kind of the story of success in in most instances, you know. Preparation meets opportunity. He was ready. And he I mean, a lot of this stuff, he just seemed like he was kind of a mastermind because he would he would be like, hey, Bruce Springsteen, you're not going to use this song. Why don't you let was it Stevie Nicks to sing the Bruce Springsteen song? Yeah. It's like, why don't you? Why don't you let Stevie Nicks sing this song? And then there was another song that Tom Petty had that he wasn't going to use, and he gave it to this other artist whose name I can't remember. No, that but, was the um, Stevie Nicks. That was the Stevie Nicks song. Oh, so the Tom Petty. Okay, so the Tom yeah, Petty Tom, was Tom Petty Nicks. and yeah, and Stevie Nicks did uh, "Stop Dragging My Heart Around." Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And then there was the other song that he took from Bruce. But yeah, like he uh, just because the night I can't remember. yeah Smith. because the night because the night yeah. So it's like he he had his hands in all these people, and he was just like he just kind of had a feel for how things were going to play out. And I just thought it was pretty amazing. Even like when they later, when they talk about how the, the music business, you know, Napster popped up and he was like, dude, we're, you know, like we're screwed, you know, and everybody else was like, what are you talking about? Like he saw that like years before, you know, it actually hit the fan, which I thought was amazing that, you know, he kind of had a, a, a finger on the pulse of the music industry and he could kind of see where things were going. Finger on the pulse. He was the pulse of the industry. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and another thing I found interesting about this is that if you look at um the '90s when you had like Marilyn Manson, you had uh, N.W.A. All these controversial artists like that would that didn't get any radio play. They wouldn't play their music videos, and it's like, how did these artists sell millions of records? And then you watch this, and you're like, the freaking Focus, the freaking lobbyists and like the preachers and the you know the yeah the right yeah. the groups in the the right the far right groups that were complaining about them sold their albums for them which I thought was hilarious in a in an amazing turn of irony because like NWA <laughs> had a number one record no videos no radio play they had a number one record that that is insane it's believable though. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's, it's something they touch on in in the in the doc is that Jimmy Iovine may be a great music producer, but he's an even more genius marketing person. Yeah, he let like, he, he let he, he knows where you fit in the marketplace. Yeah, I just I just thought it was so funny that they they pretty much all these uh, lobbyists and politicians and whoever else they they sold these albums. Like, I wonder if they look back on this and they're like, well, we screwed up on that one. Or if they just don't, if that it doesn't even connect with, you know, those people. It's just like, like we grew up pe- with people telling us not to play Dungeons and Dragons and people complaining about Harry Potter and stuff like this. And all that does is is spark people's curiosity. It's like, what is this and why shouldn't I be playing it? You know, like what, what, what? And then you get it and you're like, oh, I get it, you know, and I guess just the older people just couldn't understand w- what the appeal was, but he could. Well, it's, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. I was and, say, and, go ahead, Sergio. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, like, I hate to I- invoke the name of the doc, but it, that <laughs> feeds directly into humans' desire to be defiant. <laughs> something as simple as, oh, you don't want me to listen to this? Yeah, yeah. I see what you it, did it's, there. It's simple. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yes, very simple. Well, it's definitely like if we look back at the '90s, and you know, today's music seems kind of watered down. If you look back, <laughs> in a, in a lot of ways, um, I I think you know you have to hit that extreme at some point, and then things will kind of settle to where they're going to be. 
And, yeah. and, and, you know, I think the worst thing we have now, we see Kanye is controversial. Ooh, Kanye West. He had nothing on the nineties, dude. It's just like a whole different mm-hmm. ball game. And, and, you know, I don't know if that's a, a good thing that we've dialed it back so much, but definitely once that music hits the mainstream, it comes to a more acceptable format, I guess. Yeah, there there was a point where it was so edgy that it wasn't even edgy anymore. If that makes any sense, like even like even Eminem albums now, they're not as edgy as they were when he was younger. You know, and he was talking about killing his mom and yeah, yeah, yeah. all kinds of disturbing stuff. Like I just I just well, think that's really, really interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Eminem made being controversial okay, which immediately destigmatizes it. And makes it not cool anymore. <laughs> he made it mainstream. <laughs> yeah, he, he he mainstreamed the idea of being a crazy white guy. Yeah, and it and and that was the other thing was the kind of the other thing that was interesting when they started talking about Eminem was kind of the reverse racism that was going on where yeah. they were like, "We're looking for the next big rapper, and you bring us a blonde haired, blue eyed white dude from Detroit." Like seriously, but <laughs> yeah, his ta- his talent like. You know, it took care of everything, though. Like, he was such a talented rapper that, you know, in the end, it didn't even matter. And he ended up roping everybody in. Even if you hated what he was doing, you were listening to his music. So, (laughs) mission accomplished. Well, it's just like Dre said, you know, um, I guess he heard the demo tape. And when he first, I guess the first day they met, he sat down and they started playing beats. Like, instantly, Eminem just started going bananas on it. my name is. Hi. (laughs) Yeah, it was like... That's that, ridiculous, man. It's I always, hit. yeah, I always love like hearing so, like stories behind songs like that because um VH1 has this documentary series called Classic Albums, and they'll like go like interview uh, artists like for example they did like Stevie Wonder songs in a key of life and like and he just talks about like kind of what he was thinking and what was going on and just the sheer randomness of that how my name is it immediately reminded me of and, and you'll probably laugh at this but it immediately reminded me of the uh epi- the the scene in um hustle and flow where um <laughs> they're making the whoop that trick beat and like yeah. the white dude's like playing the keyboard and then he boom 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 and then he start like it 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 just seemed to me it was like something like that where it's just like it's kind of hard to believe that it was that spontaneous, but it was, you know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. and, I, and I think like another cool thing about uh, Jimmy Alvin is the fact that um, especially early on in the Interscope days, he set out not to personally produce his be- the best album out there or the best artist. He had this idea to produce the producers. So yeah. he went on to find um uh, uh Trent Reznor, went on to find Dr. Dre and maybe some more folks. But once you have those dudes working under you and the type of artists they can bring in, um it, that's just a smart move. Very smart move. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, it it like I didn't realize like how good a job Dre did recording the chronic. Um, but when they called it out, I went back and listened to it. And like, this is something that came out in the early nineties and it sounds like, I don't know if you guys have listened to it lately, but it sounds like phenomenal. Uh, so like, I, I didn't realize that at the time. And of course we were, you know, listening to FM radio and tapes. So it's, was kind of hard to notice it then, but it's pretty amazing that, you know, he pretty much created that whole like West coast rap thing or at least he had his hand in it which i thought was pretty amazing like all these artists that weren't even rappers for for example like um easy e who was not a rapper just seeing him in the studio just like trying to rap and like getting mad person yeah. at everybody <laughs> it was hilarious by the way <laughs> yeah it was and just well, it, 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 it's 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 just crazy to think that easy e is seen as an icon of the genre and in this documentary, they're just like, yeah, Dre had to teach him how to rap. <laughs> <laughs> line by line. line. Yeah. He had the personality, though. And the other thing I thought was cool, like, speaking about Dre's, like, history, his origins, is seeing him in that doctor uniform scratching. <laughs> That's hilarious. Scratching wax. The world-class wrecking crew. <laughs> yeah. And doing the dancing and stuff, like... It's like, yeah, y'all, he's probably like, yeah, y'all could have probably left that part out. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to think that was the 
eighties, the early eighties, and that's just the I mean mid to early eighties, and that's just the a phase the rap went through. Super cheesy, super on the nose, yeah. but everything, yeah, also everything super was, popular. Yeah, everything. Well, like, was, like, I, I, I Go ahead, Sergio. Thought, I'm sorry. I never, I never once thought that the name Dr. Dre at one point <laughs> was a gimmick. Yeah. Until this doc. No yeah. pun intended. For real. Oh, man. Yeah, everything was cheesy in the 80s, man. It's like, I don't know if you remember from the um the Prince skit, the, the Charlie Murphy one. He's like, the dude that looked most like a bleep was the one getting all the women. <laughs> <laughs> But it's funny just seeing like where where hip hop pretty much came from, and it came from like you said, kind of a cheesy, kind of tongue in cheek type thing where there was like all this dancing, and you don't really associate hip hop with well modern hip hop anyway with like just dancing and having fun. Now it's like all about how much money you have and yeah, get women and whatever. But I, mean, I guess getting it's probably always, always been a part of it. But. <laughs> but but first it was it was the technical brilliance of what they were doing with this music and these samples and stuff was stuff that had never been done before. So yes. and and you playing these old remixed samples to new sped up beats and it's getting mixed together. I mean, that's going to instantly start a movement. You know, it's going to it's something that's so different. Uh than what's preceded it. So, I mean, I guess the rapping was just uh, <laughs> uh, icing on the cake. But <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember. Do you remember what that mix was that he did where he was like the first person to take like a rap song and just like a just a uh, pop radio disco song and mixed them together? They were the same tempo and like he kind of created some. I cannot remember what the name of that song was. I can't. I can't yeah, and it was something you'd never expect <laughs> mixed together. But it's just like I didn't realize he was the first person that started doing that because, I mean, you look at we were talking about this the other day, Eddie, like you got people like or I'm sorry, Clarence, you got people like um, Danger Mouse who like made the Grey album, which is like the Beatles white album mixed with Jay-Z's The Black album, like two things that have nothing to do with each other. But like it's pretty cool to think that, you know, Dre kind of started all that kind of thing. I thought I think that's pretty amazing, too. Oh, man. And can we There's talk about Go ahead. I'm just saying, there's so many cool things here. Go ahead. <laughs> That's no, no. all I was saying. No, I, I was going to say, can we talk about how this thing starts off, though? Um, they kind of play up this whole uh, <laughs> Tyrese. rumors. <laughs> Tyrese, you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, man. Tyrese, Tyrese acted a fool. He's walking, drunk, <laughs> spilling all the deets on the Apple deal, about to blow the whole thing up. I thought that was just great. I remember that happening, man. That wasn't too long ago. <laughs> Oh man, it's like I'm probably gonna lose all my colored cred for this, and like, <laughs> but I'm I'm not lying. Like people used to say Sea Walk all the time when I was in high school, and they do a little dance, and I thought Sea Walk was like they were dancing on water. I did not know it meant the Crip Walk until I watched this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty shameful for me to even admit, but yeah. Oh man, it, didn't know didn't know it was a Crip Walk. But, well, it, if we're going to start like and talk about how it started, like I want to start before that. Like I, the reason I watched this thing is because I saw like two or three trailers on HBO itself, and I was like, "Oh, cool, a music documentary." At no point in the trailers did they tell you really what it was. They did. The, tra- the, the trailers <laughs> didn't say this is the story of Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. It's it was just. We, we're we're going to be defiant and here's the music that we made and why what we're doing is important. And I'm like, okay, cool. That Trent Reznor and Marilyn Manson, like this is, this is going to be neat. <laughs> I, yeah. I had no idea what the thing was about. Yeah. I saw the Eminem commercial or trailer or whatever, where he sits and she talks about Dre discovered him. And like, that's when I realized, okay, this is something I want to watch. And I literally, I sat and watched, started watching and I couldn't stop. I stayed up till like 3am watching the whole thing. Just oh, because wow. it it just it it pulled me in, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 once it started, and they started talking about Beats and the merger with Apple, and I'm like, what is this about? <laughs> yeah, that freaking that freaking Tyrese video is so funny. <laughs> right, it's still funny. <laughs> 
he was like, we getting paid. And Dr. Dre's looking at him like, man, I'm getting paid. I don't know what you dancing for. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. But other uh, real good takeaways from the, the, the um, documentary is the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. I thought that oh, was yeah. really interesting. And to see people like Tupac and Suge Knight, you know, go from this this person who's in the case of Suge Knight, go from this person who's playing in Jimmy Iovine's black backyard and and playing football with them to go to this ruthless people that person well he may have already been a ruthless person, but but beating up people in, in casinos and crap. I'm like, dude, what Oh man. There's this there was a story where he like held Vanilla Ice over a balcony or something. Yeah. To like, and like took mm-hmm. like eight grand from him or something. Like I can't remember how much money it was, but that dude was just he was just a knucklehead, man. And I mean, he ended up I don't know if they touched on this in the the um doc, but he ended up like running over some person and killing him and now yeah. he's in jail. But but it was so weird to well, it was so weird to see how Jimmy Alvin was in it deep before he even realized it with these guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, cause he thought Shug was a pretty stand up, you know, okay person. And, you know, to see Tupac go from this very poetic, um, civil rights kind of driven person into when he, I guess when he got shot, he just totally flipped out and didn't trust anybody. So he just turned into a totally different person after that. Totally different <laughs> rapper. Just pretty crazy to see. Dude, the perfect analog for Tupac in real life was the movie Juice. Like, he starts out in that movie, you know, the Samuel Jackson, Juice, that was a good one. Like, he um, <laughs> he starts out as, like, this kind of cool dude, and then by the end of the movie, like, all of his friends are afraid that, that he's going to kill him. Like, they're just, he's just, he just, like, goes nuts. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but it's just, yeah, I mean... I didn't realize that Dr. Dre produced um, California Love, even though I knew he was on it. Like, I didn't know he produced that, which I thought was really cool. That was like Tupac's breakout song. Yeah. And I used to always, I didn't realize that that was his breakout hit, which, you know, just little stuff like that about him, like how he brought Snoop Dogg on the scene. He had him rapping on his album first, and then he built up all his hype. And then by the time Snoop Dogg's album came out, you know, it just went number one and it's just like all these little things that he was doing that were just smart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like speak, going back to the whole Suge Knight thing, like, <laughs> <laughs> like Jimmy Iovine only knew Suge Knight as a businessman. Yeah. You know, like, like a successful one. And by the time he was in bed with him, it was too late. It's like, Oh, Oh, this guy's also like a hardcore gangster. Like this is it like sleeping with the enemy or something. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> finding out who you're working with after you're already in, you know, like I, I can't even imagine how, because yeah. at, at one point I, I think it said during the doc Interscope had four of the top five albums in the country. Yeah. One yeah. of those was a death row album. One of them was, you know, like a Bush album. One was a no doubt album. Like they were at the height of their power. And one of the dudes you're working with is out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, two of you include Tupac, but, Oh man! Then then he gets up at the Source Awards and <laughs> calls out Puff Daddy, and like I remember when this happened, like I laughed so hard because it was so true. You have him like dancing in fountains and stuff, and they driving the car like two hundred miles an hour. Like where is he going? Like you know, he's just like all this stuff. You got fountains and ice sculptures and and it's all like, of the oh, videos. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, there's a skit. There's a skit on his album called Mad Rapper, and it's like, dude, it's just so true. It's so true, and it's so funny. And then show just had the balls to say it in front of a bunch of people, and that took that took Nads of Steel because they were in New York, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Snoop Dogg was like, he said he got up there and kind of hyped him up after Suge messed up, and he was like, man, that's the only reason we left out of there alive is because of what you said. <laughs> there you go. And it's like, man, like, I still can't believe they did it. And they tried to do, like, the Death Row East thing. And it's just like, you know, I feel like they were just trying to stir up that controversy to sell albums. But it just got, like, way too real. Well, just to see how worried um, 
the execs at Interscope were uh, kind of put some shades and puts another light on it, you know, because we look at it, you know, we look at it maybe as being 90 percent hype. But no, this thing was very real. <laughs> and even those guys didn't know what to do. They were just lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and like even even if the rappers themselves weren't doing it for show like if it's all posturing and look at how awesome we are west coast east coast whatever obviously there are people who took that seriously yeah because there are two dead rappers yeah but i'm sure sure there's more than two dead rappers (laughs) two you know prominent yeah dead rappers you know i believe two uh biggies maybe it was retaliation but tupac's if you saw what he did right before he walked out of that place in las yeah, vegas fighting some people he like, he like beat down some dudes those were probably dudes that killed him case closed he they they just mauled this dude in the middle of a casino <laughs> and the- yeah i didn't i did not know about that like, I forgot. Yeah. yeah they they like beat that dude to sleep <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. I was like, oh, Tupac had that George Jefferson walk when he when he was walking away from him. <laughs> <laughs> like, dang. Oh, man. Uh-huh. Like, but, 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 but again, even beating someone up to a point can be posturing. Yeah, because true. Because you beat one guy up, that guy says, oh, man, you see, you see Tupac beat that guy down? He's for real. Yeah. And But do, do you think Tupac was going to kill a dude? Yeah, <laughs> like, kill a dude, like actually kill a dude. Sure, yeah. maybe I don't know yeah. about Pac. Yeah, like if you listen to him, like you listen to his rap, his he was song, jaded, and, man. I think about the jail. All the freaking interviews and stuff with him, he's talking about, man, we better, we gonna have to take take matters in our own hands. And he's talking about overthrowing the government and all this other stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. And then and then he did, he did like shoot two cops. So yep. like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. yeah. If okay. he would kill okay. some people, okay. He went to jail for shooting two cops that were harassing somebody, and <laughs> yeah, and that's like after he went to jail, he went he went not nuts. I mean, but when you think about other stuff that happened, when I think about when um Ice Ice um Cube left NWA, you know that had just as much tension around it when they showed um the MTV show. I can't remember the name of the show. Um, but you know, that had a lot of tension around it as well. And a lot of, 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 of heated attitudes on both sides. What are you laughing? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just snorted. it. I started thinking about Dr. Dre walking up to that girl in the club and beating her up. Cause she, oh, dude. Uh, like, what a, like that's just such a bonehead thing to do but when you you see dr dre now you're like yeah he's this like mogul but he like beat some girl up because she interviewed ice cube like seriously yeah like yeah oh that dude did some dumb stuff but like, but i will say at least in the terms of this this uh documentary he did seem like to have seemed to have a lot of remorse for his past mistakes Oh yeah, you know, no doubt. No you doubt. know, maybe that's old age. Maybe that's I don't know, but maybe it's him trying to be legit since he signed this billion dollar deal with Apple. I don't know, but he did <laughs> seem to show some remorse. He's yeah, just okay. Like, okay, he, okay. He, he had all these milestones, like you know, like broke off from death row, created his own label, <laughs> Aftermath, and then he gets arrested for driving the Ferrari like two hundred miles an hour down the strip or something. It's like, you idiot. was he just bored? Like. I know Jimmy Iovine was like, they should have never gave you beat money. Like he was <laughs> beat money. <laughs> like, oh my God. He was just I was just cringing at some of this stuff he did. I was like, come on, man. Like, I'm not I'm not saying Dr. Dre's not remorseful for what he did. He probably is at this point in his life. <laughs> However, I w I'm not gonna trust the way they portrayed him in a documentary. Yeah. B- because you know in the position he's in now, he's obviously gonna be like Yo, dog, that was the worst moment of my life. You know, like, <laughs> you know, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Tim Cook is watching. Exactly. I just, I just thought it was funny how Tyrese almost cost him a billion dollars, and Tyrese would have, you would have found Tyrese dead somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that yeah. have been crazy? Oh, I know that dude would have been salty, salty as Atlantic Ocean if <laughs> if Apple would have been like, nope. Sorry. I mean, it, I mean, it kind of goes back with Sergio said what you said earlier. 
how much of that is really him coming from the hood? How much of that is posturing to because you have to have a certain persona of this this bad boy image? I don't know. I mean, Jerry is probably the least bad out of all those guys. I mean, yeah, he did I, leave Death Row because it was getting too crazy. So I mean, he has to have some some semblance of of a good head on his shoulders because he didn't know when to get out of that. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, like. Uh, let, let, let me take you through my opinion of this this whole documentary thing, start to finish. In like, <laughs> okay, so it starts, and <laughs> they 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 tell me, uh, you know, up front, oh, this is about Dr. Dre and this is about Jimmy Iovine. It's like, oh, oh, okay, this is weird. It, it's it seems like a really odd thing to focus on, but you know what? I'm on board. It's entertaining. Whatever. Into like the first beginning of the second episode, it seemed like it was up its own butt so far that I was starting to kind of doubt what they're, the story they were telling. It's like, th- th- why is this important? Why do they keep tooting their own horns? Like, okay, y- your music dudes, whatever. It wasn't until the third episode where everything really started to click for me. And I'm not sure what happened in episode three that really made it click. It hmm. might've been when Jimmy having started in Interscope yeah. and the whole um, death row thing was starting to happen. But it wasn't until then that I actually believed their story. It just seemed very self self promoting. Almost, it, it it almost seemed like they were just like, "Hey, look at us! Look at us! Look at I'm us!" On a, I'm look on a us. boat talking about my music. I'm on my yeah. I'm on a boat. It was I'm on a boat. The documentary. Well, I mean, I, I guess that's one way to look at it. But you got to think about it from like their angle too, Sergio. This is them telling their life story, and let's say twenty years from now, you're the head of. You know, you're the head of your own video game company that just got bought by by Sony or something, you know, and they want to do a doc about you. You're going to talk about all your accomplishments along the way. Like, I never really saw it as them, you know, beating their own chest. Like, I thought the point was to like, of course, you know, there are two people that are not, you know, not shy about their accomplishments. But what I got from it was just them telling 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 about their lives you know like it seems like they're bragging because they really did all this amazing stuff <laughs> and yeah, yeah you know i get it at some point it may seem like bragging but they're just telling their life story you know it's true, true. that that was their life it's as amazing and as unbelievable as it sounded like when he started talking about dating stevie nicks i wasn't like you you know it, it didn't i just was like wow like i didn't know about this this is pretty awesome you know it's just one of those things where it can come off. I'll, I'll give you that it can come off a bit braggadocious, but braggadocious. That's time, a good word. It's a good word. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it seemed you know it was really interesting. I guess. Oh yes, yes. Like it, it, it did come full circle. By the end, they had built their cred by putting enough people on screen saying these two people are geniuses for me to understand what the story they're trying to tell. But it was a long journey for me to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, when you have, like you just mentioned, if you have so many artists giving these two people that type of praise, I mean, people from Puff Daddy, Snoop, uh, Gwen Stefani, just so many Will I Am, so many people. And then they get yeah. to the end, and I, I even forgot about 50 Cent. They just threw him in there yeah. at the end. Like, yeah, 50 yeah, Cent, yeah. too. <laughs> like, yeah. dude. And, and Kendrick Lamar. Yep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. man. Dude, it's just crazy. It doesn't sound real. <laughs> it's just hard to believe that two people could be connected to so much musical success, but uh, it's true, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, like it's it's kind of one of those those situations where you're not sure if the people are famous because Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine found them, or if they just found really good people. Well, I think I mean, it's a little I- bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. It's easy to look at it, you know, as a as a cause and effect type deal. But, you know, like I, I have like a funny analog to this. So like I used to play music a lot in college and there would be these guys who were like, you know, Jimi Hendrix dropped acid or Jimi Hendrix did drugs. So I'm going to do drugs, too. And you have pretty much all the artists in the 70s and 80s did drugs. And you could look at it like that. Like, yeah, these guys did drugs and that made them awesome musicians. Or you could look at it how I like it. And it's like like. These guys are so amazing that beside, despite their <laughs> excessive drug use, they were able to do all of this amazing music, which I think is the more sane way to look at it. But I, I feel like a lot of these people, you know, like Tupac, like um, Trent Reznor, 
you know, some of these people, some of these people probably would have been famous anyway. But then you have people like, you know, like um, Easy E, who didn't even freaking know how to rap. You know, like yeah. you have people yeah. like that who were obviously, you know, without Dre, there is no Easy E, there's no NWA, there's no Eminem. You know, there's like all these people that you know they most definitely were in the right place at the right time. Which I guess Eminem's arguable. I, mean, I feel like he would have he would have probably made yeah. it either way, but. I, mean, I, I and 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 that's a, that, that's an interesting thing to say because if any of the people on, that you mentioned are a right place, right time, Eminem is the person because you said it earlier in the cast. A white boy from Detroit, <laughs> like, well, I mean, that, no one was looking for him. Well, dude, like yeah. that was just that was just an interesting time in the world, and like one of my favorite favorite quotes from the early aughts is. You know, the best golfer was white. The best rapper, I mean, the best golfer was black. The best <laughs> rapper was white. And the three most powerful people in the world were named Bush, Dick, and Colin. So it's like, you know, like <laughs> it was just a crazy time. <laughs> crazy time. Yeah. I think that's a Chris Rock quote. <laughs> <laughs> that but that yeah. doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and, and then we get this. Um, we move in kind of, I guess, the Beats era where um, Dre is getting all these advertisement deals that he doesn't want to take because he says he's a very private person or whatever. And he wants to find something that he can do besides music, which I guess Beats ultimately is music. But <laughs> and <laughs> and he just, you know, him and I sit down for for a few minutes and the idea kind of, kind of come to, comes to Dre from Iovine and, you know. He kind of brushes it off, and I guess the next couple of days he walks in the office, and there's like <laughs> headphones galore to test. And yeah. I guess that 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 was that, and you know, beat, the- beats are a staple now, man. You can't. Yeah. And 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 when you think of the controversy that have been around them, um, in the sports world as well, uh, you know, exclusivity deals and things like that, man, they really really built a brand right there, man. And and I guess having the music edge and the sport edge and putting these in videos on athletes and it goes to the point when you guys made earlier is that is Iovine is like a great marketing mind. And that's yeah just personified in beats. So like I th- I think I think the perfect way to describe him would be like if if you in the tech industry, if Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were the same person, that's who Jimmy Iovine is for the music music industry. He's like <laughs> both sides of it. Like he's got the ear for great music. He's a recording genius and he can market his stuff because like Steve Jobs didn't know anything about. Well, I'm not going to say anything, but he wasn't a coder. You know, he didn't he didn't know how to program anything. He just told a bunch of people what to invent. He was like, I want all these songs. In my phone, <laughs> get on it! And then you got all these people like, "Oh my god, what are we gonna do?" He's like, "I don't hear any thinking in there," you know. Like, <laughs> he just told a bunch of people what to invent. But then you have Steve, you know, Bill Gates, who was actually doing it. And that's not a knock on Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs was a visionary. Like he exactly knew how to get things in the hands of the right people, and he knew how to make things easy and simple. And you know. You know, like the scrolling on the iPhone, you know, smooth like butter. Like he, he, he had all these great ideas. So he just, he put the right people, he surrounded himself with the right people, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Ah, it's just so amazing that people like this actually exist. And there's probably one or two of them in every industry. And I think this is a rare occasion. Can you imagine if they would have did a defiant ones with like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, just like picking their brains about their entire careers and just like letting them talk about it? Like I, I feel like I missed out on something, even though I didn't really miss out on it. If that makes any sense, <laughs> you missed out on something that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> like, the, the, talking about the beats scenario, like the same okie doke that they pulled on everyone in the '90s with Interscope <laughs> by basically tricking them into it's like, hey, this this stuff is controversial. This stuff is what you want to be paying attention to. They did the same thing with Beats 15 years later. Yeah. By putting them on people's heads, making sure they're in every single video, and then as soon as the the the, the NFL says, "No, nah, we're going to sign a deal with Bose," yeah, <laughs> every single football player wants to wear Beats. Yeah, 
And it's so yeah. funny how like everybody that came into his office, they said that everybody came into his office, he put the headphones on them and took a picture of him. <laughs> He's just like that yeah. dude just he doesn't stop. And like I'll admit, like, and I, I, I almost feel like speaking of controversy, like that this was kind of on purpose. Like the first version of Beats were they were crap. Like they had way too much bass. And it's I, I find it hard to believe that Dr. Dre being the recording engineer that he is, like I have find it hard to believe that he signed off on those being like the best headphones ever because they're just way too bassy. But um you had all the audio files, you had you know, you had the controversy with the NFL and then you had all these audio file people talking about these are they're these are some crap headphones and like every article, but they were talking bad about them, but they were talking about them. And then like the next mm-hmm. version comes out, like the Beach Two come out. And they're amazing. Like the the ones that are out now, like I would probably wear a pair of them because they sound amazing. Like I, I'm not a fan of the Beats Solo, the smaller ones, but like the proper ones, the Beats Proper or the the Beats Main Beats or I don't know what you mm-hmm. call them, but Beats Prime, I guess those <laughs> are, those sound really they're really awesome. And I put them up against anything Bose has, you know, as far as like the noise canceling and everything, and they sound really really nice. So you know, I think it's deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's beats ended up sounding good, and they started out as a marketing plan. Is all they exactly, were exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're they're pretty amazing. Um, let's see. Yeah, but I I mean, just to further go into the beats discussion and the, the Apple acquisition of beats, you know, I I never thought I would see Tim Cook and Dr. Dre <laughs> sitting down um, together for Team Crumpets. Yeah, tea and crumpets, breaking bread. <laughs> but man, it's just it's just bananas, man. I mean, it just goes back to what you said, Carrie. On so many levels, this story is so improbable. You know, um, you something you just couldn't see coming. And you know, Beats did some things to try to bolster their business. To, I guess to look friendlier to Apple. I mean, they started their own music service while Apple was trying to getting to get into the same thing. So that maybe helped their. Um, yeah, I their think, business a little bit. I think that helped a lot because if you remember, so Apple didn't have a streaming service forever, and then like Beats comes around and it's you know it's as good as Spotify or whatever, and you know instead of Apple developing a music streaming music service from the ground up, they're just like let's buy this thing right here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, they already have the guys in charge that we need. Yeah, so that had to have been a big part of it. Honestly, I think that's that was the bigger, the biggest part of it. Yeah, because now Jimmy Iovine is uh, what the head of Apple Music. Yeah, pretty much. And Apple Music is arguably more important than the iPhone itself. Yeah, because it's streaming is the future of music, and Jimmy Iovine saw that before a lot of people saw it. Yeah, and then, very, very true. And then that's that's been leading into. Uh, exclusivity deals with artists for, I don't know, the first few weeks of their releases or some uh, entirely exclusive to iTunes and, yep. and things, and things like that. So, you know, right now we're in a world where, um, Iveen slash Dre is, is really going up against, um, you know, Spotify is pretty much the winner, but you can mention uh title and Jay-Z on one side. Oh God. Title is an abomination. <laughs> really? I've title? never used it. No, no, just no. <laughs> Personally, I'm a no. Google Play guy. Wow, you're very on the fringe. <laughs> well, well, it, it, like, well, I use Google Play every day in, in his defense, but I don't use it for like music streaming music. I just have my own music library on there. It, so, right, like, right, right. I uploaded mm-hmm. all the music that used to be on my computer is now in Google Music, so I don't have to keep it on my computer anymore. That's exactly how I started. Uh, like Anything that is not in Google Music, you can just put it in there. Yeah. And then, of course, they have their own library. And also, if you pay for it, you get YouTube Red for free. So, hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, like the thing about the the streaming services is that, like, at this point, there are no winners because they're all losing money, um, and they're not paying artists worth a crap. So it's, I'm I'm interested to see where they go or if somebody can find some model that actually works because they're all losing money. Even Spotify is using yeah. like losing its shirt pretty much. And you had SoundCloud, which almost folded like last week until they got a, they got a private investor. And like, if you want my honest opinion, SoundCloud is the future of music. It's not Apple music. It's not 
Uh, yeah, I don't know about that, man. And the only reason <laughs> I only, only reason I say that is you have millions of artists that nobody's ever heard of uploading amazing music to SoundCloud, and there's a whole like subset of people who only listen to stuff on SoundCloud. You might not realize it, but SoundCloud is like the number one streaming music site. Like, period. They haven't found a way to monetize it yet, but more people listen Which to music. Which lies the problem. <laughs> But what I thought, I'm saying, I, thought, I thought YouTube was. <laughs> yeah, YouTube's a close second, if not first, yeah, I would think. Perhaps, perhaps. I don't I don't know about YouTube, but I do know like out of all the streaming, like the dedicated music streaming services, SoundCloud has more listeners than any of them. And part of that is because it's free, but it's also because, like I said, there's there's millions of tracks on SoundCloud that you won't find anywhere else because you know Yeah. But how much of SoundCloud is part of music though? That's what I want to know. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some on there, but most of the people that upload music to SoundCloud aren't uploading pirated stuff. They're uploading their own music. You know, you can record a song tonight and post it on SoundCloud, and then all your listeners, who are, however many you have, there are people on there who have millions of listeners. So whenever they have a new track, they don't put it on Spotify. They upload it to SoundCloud, and, you know, they. it's one of those things where it's probably really hard to monetize. It's one of those things where you just use it for kind of like advertising, like, Hey, this is my music. If you like my music, buy my yeah. album or buy a t-shirt or, you know, do my Patreon. Like there's all these different ways to make music. Whereas music isn't really the product anymore. You're, you're kind of just selling yourself. If that makes any sense, because yeah. it's just, it's just so hard to make music streaming. Like, I think it was Lady Gaga. One of these artists, like they had a million streams and like got like five bucks for it. You know, like it's just you're not going to make any money streaming unless you're like Taylor Swift or like Lady Gaga. And you just have like your whole library up there. and You're getting millions of streams every yeah. couple hours. There's just no way to make money, man. Well, with the thing with music, I think once the cat is out the bag, it's just almost impossible. You know, music doesn't have a... Uh, uh, DVD or Blu-ray or a 4K Blu-ray to go to, you know, it's just, it's still music. Of course, you can probably make it sound better, but we had the Pono player and all this stuff, and that didn't really take off for the, the really high fidelity music. So at this point, you know, I kind of just feel the cast out of the bag, you know, and there's, it's, it's impossible to not put, get your stuff on or, or to keep it off of, um, pirated sites. It's just, it's, it's, it's just not happening. Though I haven't downloaded part of music in a while, but <laughs> I just think it's got to be one of those things where you have to make it more you have to make it more inconvenient to download music. And it kind of is now. I mean, it's just like Netflix, like it's more it's less convenient to go on a torrent site, download a torrent and, you know, whatever, like encode it into MP4, MP3, burn, or burn it on a Blu-ray like it's. <laughs> That's way more inconvenient than pulling up Netflix and hitting stream. Right. Even yeah, though for video, because video is so large, though. Video is unique in that aspect. Uh, and even with speeds getting better, that's less so than it used to be. But video is so large. Music is just so small and concise. It's it's kind of, it's almost the perfect pirating uh, media. Well, <laughs> you, you say that, but even, I feel like even music is, is less convenient than something like Spotify. Because if you think yeah, about true. it. You have if to it's free, a, that case, yeah. Well, yeah, you, if free music, you have to find a site where you can download. And chances are, if it's just the HTTP site, it's been blocked or whatever. So you find a torrent. You have to find the right torrent. You download this torrent of like all of Michael Jackson's discography, and then you you start playing it. And maybe it's Michael Jackson, maybe it's Weird Al Yankovic, maybe it's some dude trying to get famous. You know, you don't really know what you're getting. And you have to arrange it in your library or you copy it to your library or you, you know, upload it yeah. to Google Music. I, yeah, guess. I think portability but, is the is the big part. Uh, but it's like yeah, I used yeah. to buy music off of iTunes. And for me, it, that's less convenient because I have to copy my library or redownload my songs or all, you know. Yeah, agree. If, if I move to another computer, whereas I can just pull up my Spotify app, all my music's there. I just hit play. You know, it's it's simple for like the layman. It's you know, it's yeah, not that inconvenient I, for people like us. But I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah good point. Like, yeah, you're you're speaking my language right now because as someone who in the past bootlegged a lot of music, <laughs> it's like a, a lot. Butt. It 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 increasingly became more inconvenient than just giving someone ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, here's ten dollars. I have all of the music in the world at my fingertips. <laughs> I'm yeah. an adult now. I can do that. 
Yeah. But I just hope they find a way to turn a profit profit or like I would happily pay twice as much for Spotify if I knew the artists were getting more money. Like I would do that, you know, even though I'm happy paying fourteen dollars a month for my whole family. I feel like they started out way too low and they're going to have a problem raising their prices now. It, just the same thing with Netflix. You, you've been you know, they've been kind of inching their prices up, but it's still around what, 10 bucks, 11 bucks. Yeah, we're started like seven. And, you know, they've crept it up a little bit. I, I feel like in a couple of years, it'll be 15, 20 bucks. Because, I mean, if you think about it, they've got more movies than something like HBO and HBO. I'm paying 10 bucks a month for HBO right now. And I get all the stuff streaming. And so it's like, yeah, <laughs> someone's got to give at some point because they don't have all that cable TV revenue that HBO has. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. well, like, like, I think one of the unforeseen things that has come out of this whole music being free for everyone uh, thing is it's not, it's not as much about making a profit as it used to be. Yeah. It's much true. more about the art now. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. You know, I can uh, that. Kanye West can write an entire album, record an entire album, knowing he's not going to have a hit single and it is not a problem. Yeah. And it's so funny, like looking at these, these billboard or sound scan numbers or whatever, where you see like a number one album selling what, 15,000 copies in the first week and it's number yeah. one. Like in the, in, in the 90s, ago, like they yeah. were regularly hitting over a million a week. Yeah. It's like they would throw you out of the, they would throw you out of the recording, <laughs> the record label headquarters if you sold 15,000 albums in one week and you were like a top tier artist. I mean, we're not talking about like, we're not talking like the, Red Hot Chili Pepper selling that man. We're talking about like Taylor Swift, like the powerhouse group, you know, the powerhouse singers. Yeah. They're not even selling that many albums anymore. So it's, phys- it's physical it's anyway. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say they would kick people out of the record. And you, <laughs> I distinctly remember a Rolling Stone uh, article around the year 2002, 2003. It was right when the collapse started. And it was, the big headline was, Third Eye Blind and other major acts lose record contracts. And I'm like, that Third Eye Blind? Really? That they're considered major? Okay. Yeah. It's awesome, dude. Like it's crazy how how you know how far the music industry's come, but I feel like at some point somebody's gonna figure all this out and music will yeah. be profitable again. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be like eighties era print money, like 80s, yeah. early 90s area. Oh, you want a record deal? Sure, sure. You know, like every, you know, they're giving out record deals left and right. I don't think it'll ever get to that point, but I feel like it'll get to the point to where the artists can make, you know, a living, you know, a decent living again. Because, I mean, I have to imagine it's hard because now the record labels, they're not just taking a cut of the album sales, they're taking a cut of like the tour, the tour sales and like everything. So, yeah, yeah. It's just got to be super hard for an artist to make money these days, man. But my hat's off to the one still fighting the good fight. Well, technically, it's always been hard for the artist to make money because uh, I, I, in, most I their, in most of the music deals, they didn't make much anyway. Well, yeah, that's true. They got, A lot of people got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like TLC and who knows who else. NSYNC. Well, NWA, I guess, got screwed too yeah, much. Enjoy, uh, yeah. Give you one of my money, yo. <laughs> Link Park. They, they went through the 30 Seconds to Mars. They had a whole documentary about trying to get out of their record deal. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. They don't play around, man. <laughs> so, guys, any more takeaways from the Define ones? Uh, watch it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating little piece of, of content. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of uh, the Foo Fighters series. Um, Sound City? It called? Sound, or, Sound City was the documentary, like the, the one that started it. But then they did um, Sonic Highways. Oh, okay. I need to watch that. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that 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 one's cool. They 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 travel around to different recording studios in America and record a song at each one and tell the oh, story wow. of each recording studio. It's cool. That sounds cool. Yeah, I have to check that out. So, Sergio, have you been doing any writing lately on your site about music? Oh, yes, I have. And what site <laughs> would that be? That'd be Reality Breached. <laughs> uh, you guys, are, you guys, a fan of uh the the, the Imagination Dragons? Uh no. <laughs> Welcome to the new age people. Oh the feeling in my bones. Those guys. Those guys. Those yeah. Dudes. Their new album is 
crazy good. Okay, well, I'm, I may check it out, man. Like, it doesn't deserve to be as good as it is. It's like, those man. guys, Those guys did not prove <laughs> that they could write this album. <laughs> but it's really good, and, and I, I, got, I, got, I got a review on the site. So, check it out. Yeah, I thought about checking out the Arcade Fire album, but like everybody I talked to says, this is not the Arcade al- album, uh, Arcade Fire album to start listening to Arcade Fire on. So I'm probably gonna go back and listen to some of the, like they won a Grammy, like nobody knew who they were, and so like yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that stuff. Yeah, is Imagine Dragons British? Are they from here? And no, no, they're from Arizona, I think. Oh, huh. They actually recorded the album in the Killers' personal studio. What? Yeah, I like the Killers' new song. Um, that song's awesome. Oh, I oh can't man! The name of it. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. But yeah, there's lots of good stuff out there. What are you doing, Clarence? Oh man, just the same old, same old. Uh, if you're into Doctor Who, I do a Doctor Who podcast. Uh, we talk about the first episode ever that came out in the '60s recently so uh yeah check that out at uh discussing who.com what about you carrie what have you been working on um <laughs> actually uh i've been working on quite a few things i'm trying to get a like some pc hardware specific content out um right now i'm just working on getting some reviews written i'm writing uh i've been writing it for about a month now my ipad pro review article which i guess is not really PC hardware, but the new Vega stuff comes out, actually comes out tomorrow, the new AMD GPUs. And I'm going to do some coverage on that. Look for that later this week. And, um, you know, I'm really wanting to just go through all of the mainstream or major GPUs at every price point and tell people what they need to buy. That's just kind of become a passion of mine, like as of late. So, you know, say if you like, hey, Harry, I got 150 bucks. Is there something I can buy? Or if I have 300 bucks, what's the best GPU I can get for 300 bucks? You know, just stuff like that. So look oh, for yeah. some look for some of that in the coming week. Uh, I'm going to at least have the iPad article out in the next week. You know, the other stuff's probably a little bit farther out because I kind of wanted to do like a wizard, but I don't know if the wizard thing is going to work. So we'll see. Well, you know, the, the work you're doing with, uh, you know, like budgeting and PC stuff. Like the first thing that people say to me when I say, Oh, we'll just build a computer. They say, I can't afford that. Or I'm on a budget or I, I can't afford to build a huge monster machine. But if you give yeah. someone the directions and the route to do it, it's very possible to PC game on a budget. Yeah. One of my goals is to like take like the console MSRP of like, say the PS4 pro is what is it? 450? Is it 400? Yeah. 450 like take that and build a complete computer equivalent without the monitor you know like take that budget and see what's the best computer we can build with that um so yeah like really really my ultimate goal is to make like a a a, a vert have you ever seen top gear um yeah the yeah, british, I, british I have, version like yeah. my ultimate goal is to like this is like the number one thing i want to do is to make a PC related show that's like the equivalent of something like Top Gear where you have two you know two or three people who are like doing the coverage on like the coolest, latest high tech stuff. And you have where like they have this thing where they do it like every season where they each take a hundred pounds and they buy the best car they can and then they like do a series of challenges and Uh-oh. see whose car <laughs> see whose car is the best. Like that's the kind of thing I want to start but it's just like i'm definitely nowhere close to that yet but that's that's my ultimate goal is to do a pc version of top gear <laughs> we should oh, talk about Amy. that top chip <laughs> yeah top chip or something top I don't chip. Know. <laughs> oh wow you got the name already okay <laughs> <laughs> actually i'm i'm leaning towards gp union <laughs> okay like, i've already got the um domain for that so i think that's the name i'm gonna go with what? but top chip is very tempting What's Gabrielle Union's middle name? Because that might be a problem. Uh-oh. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Crap. <laughs> Dang you, Sergio. <laughs> Ruining my plans. Cool beans. But yeah, I mean, I'll probably have some more details out. It'd be cool to just, you know, have a group of people that want to do something like that. And, you know, not necessarily everybody has to be like a, a expert at, get, at PC gaming because it'd be cool to get like some different angles of like so 
Like you have like maybe the hardcore guy who wants the best of the best. And you have the guy that's kind of like, I just want to be able to run my game. Or and you have somebody that's just like, I just want to be able to play Rocket League. Or, you know, like just have like the three different or maybe however many different personalities. So each person that watches the show will have somebody that they kind of identify with. Because, I mean, I think that's what makes the the Top Gear show so great is that, like, those three guys couldn't be more different from each other, but they have good chemistry and, like, everybody can relate to one of those guys. So, yeah, that's kind of what I want to recreate. It's not going to be easy, but I think if, if if we're able to pull it off, it, it could be something really, really awesome. So, yeah, that was a long spiel. Sorry about that. <laughs> about nothing that I, I guess right now. I'm, yeah. Right. Smart. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, Nothing else? Ready to wrap it up? Yeah, special thanks to Sergio for, you know, rejoining the band. Um, <laughs> it's good to have you, man. We'll have to have you back soon. So, Yeah, uh, listen to Reality Breached, everybody. Let's do that. Watch our YouTube stuff. Tea time. Tea time. <laughs> Tea time with Sergio. In a steel straw. Just go watch. I can't explain. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next time. Very, very quick. 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 Very, Hey guys, don't miss an episode of the Techpedition podcast. For more information, go to techpedition.com slash subscribe. T-E-C-H-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N dot com.